Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 20. And the last time we looked at really a unity that led to a personal maturity. And unity is, can be rephrased as body maturity, the body of Christ, the local church, etc. And certainly as individual believers, there needs to be a maturity as well so that we could all work together and, um, you know, glorify the Lord and strengthen the church and then be used out into the community. Today, this morning's title is A New You. How many of you are familiar with makeovers? <laughs> Everybody's getting a makeover today, right? And when I actually put makeover into a search engine, I saw that it was 90% of them were women, but now there's the trend is moving towards men as well. So um, I, just, I, I, <laughs> I just put it in the search engine, I looked at all the makeovers, and I found one that I liked, so if we could put up the image... I hear he's famous, I don't follow Hollywood, but I guess he's kind of handsome, you know, I suppose. But the bottom line is, check out this makeover. I mean, look at his, his shirt, he's got a, a t-shirt, and then he kind of dressed himself up with a nice shirt and a tie. He had a, a beard that was kind of overgrown, and he shaved it, and he's all clean shaven. Here he's got the hat, and uh, now his hair looks really nice, and you see the, some vascularity in his arms, maybe he went to the gym, I don't know. But this is what we do in the world. We do these makeovers. And, but here's the issue. In the flesh, we think that something externally, our looks, right, what's on the outside, is going to make us happy. But what happens is your hair grows out, your beard grows back in, your makeup has to be taken off, put back on. If you don't go to the gym regularly, well, your pant size might go up, etc. But this is what the world does. You see... God wants to do a makeover with us as well, but it's vastly different. See, he does it from the inside. You know, the world does it from the outside, but God does it from the inside, and that's the right way to do it. As it goes from the inside to the out, it does give us a sense of peace. It does give us a sense of contentment, even through those storms. So we're going to talk about the old life of the flesh, of the body. This is the part that when we pass away, goes into the ground. But body is, God has made us body, mind, and spirit. We're trichotomous in a sense. Right? We're going to talk about what God does on the inside. And there's a great scripture that I'm going to quote a few times. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 6. It says, it says, this is why we never give up. Though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And listen, if, you've, if you're in your 20s, you think you're invincible. Believe it or not, some years ago, I was in my 20s. I'm not anymore, obviously. And the outward man is perishing. You know, my hair's getting grayer. My hairline's going back further. I have to work harder at the gym to keep the pounds off. I mean, this is just this, this process, this decaying process that we try to fight, in a sense. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, your spirit is... I guess if at some point you will know, and God knows, it's, it's dormant, it's, it's unregenerate, it's not alive. And the only thing you're going through life with, really, is your body and your mind. 
and you know, trying to fill the void in, in your life with all kinds of stuff and keep throwing stuff into that bottomless pit, that abyss of your, of your heart, and it never gets filled. True contentment and peace comes from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what he does, he does a work, and, and your spirit is now regenerate. Your spirit is alive. And we're going to talk about how even there's a conflict when we become believers. Right? When before we're believers, we just live according to the flesh. Whatever my body wants, I give into it. But when we're born again of the spirit, now there's a new nature that takes place. And unfortunately, we're still stuck to this, the old nature. And there's a war inside. So we're going to talk about that. It's going to be... I'm really jazzed up about the message, as you can tell. So starting with verse 20, context. Previous Sunday, he spoke about the Gentiles or the the unbelievers, those who don't know God, how they walk, how they feed their flesh. Now he has this contrast in verse 20. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man or the old person, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in righteousness and true holiness. He says, but you, believer, again, leaving off with the characteristics of the unregenerate, you, these are things that we shouldn't be displaying. There's other things that we should display as new creatures in Christ. You ever say to your kids, hey, that's not how you were brought up. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. You know, they, they kind of get lost for a minute. What do they think they are? You know, this is, this is how we raised you, and you're doing something else. Right? We used to call that in the old days shame, right? Today, there's not a whole lot of shame. People do whatever. But in the Bible, we call it conviction. This is what you were taught, heard, or learned as Christians. We should know better. The Ephesian Christians were getting involved with stuff in the world. And here in the greater New York area, we're susceptible to that too as believers. We forget where we came from at times, and we need to get um, a a perspective check to say, that's not you anymore. You're still playing with child, you're still playing with toys. You can't do that. The disciples learned Christ by physically being with him. We learn Christ through regeneration of the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, through prayer and through God's word. And we desire to please the Lord because we have a... Listen, this morning, if you say, that's foreign to me, what is this relationship with God? How is that even possible? I can't see him, I can't hear him, I can't smell him, I can't touch him. Well, that's what we're here to present to you this morning. We have, those of us that have a relationship, we want you to have the same thing. So does God. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. Right? You know, you see Bill up there kidding around and Pastor Vinny when he does his skits. And, you know, I kind of, listen, there's joy here. This isn't, we weren't baptized in lemon juice when we became believers. You know? I can't do that for those that are listening, but, but the bottom line is it's, it's a joy. It's, it's freeing. It's, you know, God's not making me. He doesn't threaten me every Sunday morning. Say, so you better go up to that pulpit. I do this because I want to please him. Because I want other people to have the joy that I have. I don't want to hoard it for myself. He says, to put off the old man of the flesh. In other words, to to get a new identity. To put off the old and put on the new. And and again, proper math equation, I said a few Sundays ago, is the Lord has this big, beautiful eraser. And he can, if we allow him to, we submit to him, he can erase some painful, hurtful things from our lives. 
He can erase some things that are um, really holding us down and dragging us down and not helping to make us fruitful. It's a subtraction equation. We're not adding Jesus. We're allowing him to do subtraction. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who are in Christ have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. Well, Pastor Joe, are you saying that passion is bad? No, I'm not. Neither is the Bible. Right now, I have passion for his word. It's hard to contain it. But in the flesh, that's in the spirit, in the flesh, my passions and my, my lusts are bad for me. They get me in trouble. They can disqualify me from being behind this pulpit. So we have to get our terminology straight. It's great to have passion in the things of God. But as Jesus crucified himself and, and crucified our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago, we also must crucify the flesh, and it's a daily process. You know, there's thoughts that come into your mind, things that you're tempted to do. No, that's not, that's not befitting of my walk with Christ. Crucify it. And sometimes, you know what the reality is? We fight with the flesh. I fight with the flesh, and sometimes we lose. And by the act of our will, we make a poor decision. We make poor choices. We make sinful choices. But let me tell you what the difference is. In the old days, I planned my sin. I looked forward to my sin. I paid good money for my sin. You know, I, I couldn't wait for the weekend to do my sin, whatever all those sins might be. There was no argument. There was no fighting. I would just get disappointed if I didn't uh, you know, exceed my expectations of my sin. But now... It, it's, it's a fight. It's a battle. There's a war inside of our souls at times. For me, it was, it was alcohol. I was stingy with money. I had a rage issue. Not staying in relationships too long. Now I've been with the same awesome woman for 24 years. This is what God can do in your life. Seriously. It's not just me. <laughs> now, other things take a little longer. <laughs> and I'm hopefully, hopefully they don't last all the way to the cross, but... You know, it is what it is. See, before we can put on the new man, we have to put off the, the old man or the old person. If you have a jar that's filled with mud and you want to fill it with clean, beautiful, clear, tasty water, you have to empty that jar of mud. Otherwise, you put it in and it becomes more of a mucky mess. You know, the mud is, is the person of the earth. It's the person that, that, that you know, from this this wood and this tree and, and some of the same elements that are in this body where, you know, I go into the ground and a tree uses some of my nutrients to build another tree. That's the person of the earth. Yeah, God made a creation. But in people, he put a spirit, body, mind, and spirit, which separates us from the rest of the created kingdom or the created world. The water is indicative of the Holy Spirit. So we must empty the jar of mud before we can fill it with that pure, clean water. Jesus said, believe in him. You know, out of each person's heart will come torrents of living water, indicative of the Holy Spirit. He says, to put away the old ways. Now, this is at the end of verse 22, or the, the former conduct. That translation, going into my Greek, is behavior. To put off the old behavior. And what does that tell us? It tells us that people can change their behavior. So I want to give you good news. If you're struggling with something, you can change. God has given you the ability to change. We can change that sinful behavior. So what are you into? Don't say it out loud. <laughs> Let it roll around in the, in the frontal lobe, you know, play with it a little bit as I'm talking to you about it. But what are you into? 
If you're born again of the Spirit, you have the ability to change. And that's, that's, that's the message of hope. God doesn't, God's not a cruel God. He doesn't tell us to do something, and He doesn't give us the tools to do it. He gives us the ability. Part of putting on the new person of the Spirit is being what the Bible says, which we read, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's, two, there's a few Greek words, but instead of suke, the word is nous, which literally means to permeate or to bathe our mind, to bathe our intellect or our understanding with the things of God. The spirit affects the mind. The mind affects the brain and the central nervous system. The central nervous system controls the entire rest of the body. What we believe or buy into will have an effect on every aspect of our lives. You can often tell by a person's behavior what they believe. If they're into behavior that's self-deprecating or, or harmful or dysfunctional, they're not completely sold on the fact that God made them um, unique and special and um, you know, wants a, a changed life for them because of the behavior that they're engaging in. The way the spirit and the mind go, so goes the rest of the body. But remember, the renewing process of the mind does not happen overnight. That's why it's amazing. The Bible talks about being born again, like a baby. You know, we're now born of the spirit. We, all of a sudden, we, you know, as we were toddlers in the physical body, when we're born again, figuratively, we're, we're like babies in the Lord. And then he talks about children in the Lord. And he talks about um, being on milk and then moving to meat. Nobody takes a child or a toddler and gives them a backpack and a hundred bucks and says, go out into the world. See, go ahead and make a life for yourself. Right? We nurture that child. We train that child. And it's the same thing with us. When we're born again and we're toddlers, we're youth, we're new believers, there's a process that happens and we start to grow and to mature in the things of the Lord. He says... True or truth is used four times in this chapter, mostly concentrated at the end, right? He also speaks about righteousness. What is that? Righteousness. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we've been declared righteous. We are justified before the eyes of God. Now, people don't understand the whole thing of the cross. The world, the media, they don't get it. You worship some guy who died on a cross? Don't forget, he rose again, too, and ascended into the right hand of the Father. But what did he do on that cross? It was a substitutionary death. He took our place in judgment, which we deserve for our sins. And he died for our sins so that we can have entrance into eternal life if we believe and trust in what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. He also speaks about true holiness. What's holiness? People are scared by that word. They think of a monk or you, you have to be a nun and go into the, a convent. That's not what that means. Holiness is a process, a process whereby we take on more and more of Christ's characteristics as we start to mature in Christ. Holiness is not necessarily special clothing, and, and that's what it's evolved into. Clergy, you know, they, they're separated from us because of the things that they hold and the collars and the robes and the hats. That's not what true holiness is. To take a vow of poverty, chastity, and silence I talk too much. If true holiness means I've got to be quiet, I've got problems. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you start to take on the characteristics of Jesus as you start to grow in your faith and grow in the Lord. I want to give you, I want to give you a real-life example. I called somebody I know who had an incredible testimony. 
how he beat the odds, how, you know, how his life changed. He happens to be the man that married my mother about 10 years ago. I called him up. I said, hey, Ray, can I use this in a service? He goes, tell him everything. So I'm going to tell you some stuff. So Ray is an awesome guy, and he's actually going to, I have to be careful because he said he wants to listen to the CD. They, they don't live close, so they come in and out, so he'll be here at times. But Ray, um, many years ago, decades ago, was a heroin addict for years. So bad that actually one time, uh, he, it was a bad drug deal. Drug deal went bad. He's got all the scars to prove it. Three guys get out of a car, and they put a gun to his head. He says, listen, he goes, I'm not giving you my money, because he wanted to get it somewhere else. And they, and they took the gun, they shot him in the leg. Then they put it to his head again and said, give us your money. He goes, I gave him 40 bucks. He goes, and then I went to the hospital, and they gave me the painkillers that I was looking for anyway. He goes, so I made out. This guy is, he just has such a, he's, <laughs> but the Lord has used him to do amazing things. Well, he gives his life to the Lord at some point. He becomes a believer, completely kicks it completely. Eight years ago, he has a freak accident. Now, he's clean. Eight years ago, freak accident. His body starts going to apoptosis or the cell death process. They fly him to William Penn. They pretty much, not cryogenics, but they, they freeze his body. They bring his temperature down. They induce him. They put him into a coma. He's on opiates again for some time. He gets re-addicted. His life is completely clean now. He gets out, they give him some pills, he finds out, wow, it's happening again. He beats it again. By the way, I've given his number out uh, to some people when they've asked, and uh, he, he really is. I Probably one day I'll have him come out and just talk about his life and his experience. But it was only through the power of Jesus Christ that he was able to change this. Listen, my teaching, you know, and not everybody agrees with it, and it's okay, but my teaching has to be based on the Scripture. When I do teachings, and I have, to groups, addiction groups, um, I tell them, listen, I don't agree with somebody calling you an addict. You'll always be an addict. I don't agree with that. So that basically means that when you get out, you're, you're just, it's just going to happen to you. It's going to keep happening to you, and there's nothing you could do about it. What I like to teach them, what the Bible says, you can be a new creature in Christ. And i got to tell you something, they love that teaching. And there's times that the... Uh, the overseers are listening, and if their overseeing isn't around, they'll kind of give me the thumbs up. But this is true. A new person, God can change us. Are those pathways in the brain strong? You're darn right they are. But the brain has the ability for adaptation, for change, and for reorganizing its neural pathways. It's called neuroplasticity. And that's just the brain. This amazing tool that God gave us. So we can do that, but now he also gives us the spirit. So the mind working with the spirit, we could do anything. I just want to give you hope with that, because it's the truth. You see, Satan is like the malicious software. He's always trying to lie to us. He's always trying to get in through the defenses. And the Holy Spirit is like the antivirus program, which always seeks the, the, the cracks that's trying to push him out and keep him out and tell us the truth while he lies to us. But just like on your computer, and I've been hacked once, I'm not going to get hacked again, by the way. But I had all kinds of Christian stuff on there and uh, my messages, so I'm like, I hope the hackers get saved. <laughs> Take what you want off my computer, just leave it operable. You know what I'm saying? It worked out. When I put the new antivirus software into my computer, you have to enable it. 
There is a matter of our will. God is not going to do it all for us. He's going to help tremendously. But we have to be a part of the equation. Our will, we have to be on board. We have to allow him to permeate. You see, today there's a pill for everything. There's a pill for sickness. There's a pill for weight loss. There's a pill for wrinkles. They even have now a pill that you take the pill and you, you become tan. It affects your skin and the skin color. It's amazing. You don't have to go out in the sun anymore. But there's no magic pill for the new life. See, this is where discipleship, accountability, discipline in the Word, and prayer come in. And a desire for God. We have to be part of the equation. We can't just sit back and just say, well, God's going to do everything for me. It doesn't work like that. Verse 25. He says, therefore, putting away lying, each one speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. This is part of putting on the new man, living the new life in the Spirit. I'm just going to be transparent with you about myself. And some of these words might be offensive, but I'm using them about myself. I was stingy. I was a miser. If you owed me a dollar, I'd probably let that one go. If it was $2 or more, literally, I'd have a list of people who owed me money, starting with two bucks. I was gracious. The one dollar, you know, you can, you can slide on that one. Stingy person. The Lord changed that. Again, for me, the old drunk Joe is no longer. Alcohol has no power over me, none at all. doesn't matter who I'm around, not, no desire for it. The Lord has changed that. I've got to tell you, in my drunkenness, I hurt people. Even after being a believer, I, I said to my wife, you know, I feel like I need to call this person and tell them I'm sorry and I'm a different person. I felt bad. There was conviction. I hurt relationships. I couldn't keep relationships. But that's, that's gone. It has no more power over me. Again, is everything else completely gone? No, I'm not perfect. I am still, the person behind this pulpit is still a work in progress as you are. So I want to encourage you. The Bible encourages you. I want to encourage you. There's people who have gone before, like Ray, who can encourage you. Because we buy into what God is saying in his word. Now, it's not an excuse for us to say, well, I'm not perfect. Because if we've been a believer for a few years and we're really born again of the Spirit, there should be evidence, there should be fruit. John 15 speaks about that. There should be a marked change in our life. I mean, I'm hard on myself, but I look back 20 years and I'm like, wow, tremendous change. And I would say, my wife's shaking her head, yes. I'm like, you sure? Yeah. <laughs> so we would go over things. I was a jerk for a husband. I'm going to cover that in Ephesians 5. You know what I'm saying? She, she'd tell on me. <laughs> and I deserved it, you know, but um, God is good. Let's look at some of these uh, old life versus new life characteristics that the Apostle Paul makes. Number one, he says, put away lying for the truth. Why is this so important? Because the devil's a liar. He lies to us all the time. And here's the interesting thing. Before I was a believer, and I believe this, and I know where it came from. I, was, I believe that I was, God didn't love me that I couldn't be good, that I was going to hell anyway, so we might as well go party. Seriously, that's what I believed, because I was lied to. So why should I continue lying? See, 
Jesus said that if you're a liar, you're of your father, the devil, who was a liar from the beginning. See, when we change our new nature, we also get a new father, the father in heaven, whose truth, not lies, whose love, whose light. We exchange one father for another father. So why would we continue in this lying process? Some people make a career and a craft out of lying. Why give him any more power? Two, anger leading to sin. Two, righteous anger not leading to sin or violence. The devil hates us and wants to destroy us. And a lot of times he does that through rage. We have what's called crimes of passion. It's like when you get into a wrathful rage, it's really like temporary insanity. You, you just, you don't even remember. Seriously. I mean, I've seen this over the years. I'll just say something also interesting, or take it how you want to take it. As a police officer for 23 years, as a road cop, I would carry a gun on duty and off duty. Off duty, wherever I went, had a gun on me. And you know what? I never thought, one, I mean, I've had arguments, I've had anger, I've had discussions with people. I never thought, hey, let me even the odds and take, let me take this thing out and put a cap in you. Never thought of that. Seriously, the thought never crossed my mind. Because there's a line that we don't cross. You know, I talk to people and they go, I could never be a cop, I could never carry a gun, I'd shoot somebody. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Well, if it's not a gun, it could be somebody else. I mean, what's going on inside of you? What, what's your issue that you have that much rage? That's got to be dealt with. That's going to destroy. I knew a, a young man, too, that talked about, uh, what's the difference, Pastor Joe? So anger is an emotion. Things happen. We see things. Maybe we see somebody treated poorly, and it, we're not even part of it, but we become angry because it's a, more of a... Now, be careful with the whole righteous anger thing. Sometimes Christians lean on it. Oh, it was righteous anger. Usually the test is if somebody's wronged you and you're just, you flip out, it's probably not righteous anger. If you watched when Jesus got angry, what did he get angry about? Disabled people, poor people who were being treated terribly by the religious system. He was angry, the Bible said. He cleared out the temple. They were making, turning God's house into a, a money-making scheme, a pyramid scheme. God, Jesus was angry, but did he sin? No, he didn't. If you see someone who's being abused or oppressed and it has nothing to do with you, that's probably righteous anger. But let's not apply that term to every time that we, we get ticked off and tweaked and we fly into a rage because it can't apply. I remember a, a, a young guy many years ago I was working with and uh, he got involved in something several times and it started affecting other people in the church. And I remember being on the phone with him. I'm like, and he, you know, I really believe that back, backsliding Christians, they, they go to the school. And, and they're told what to say to their accountability partners. You're judging me. You don't know my heart. They all say the same thing. It's like, man, I've heard that 10 times already. And I, I was like, I was passionate. I was angry. I said, bro, I feel like I'm losing you to Satan's lies. What's really cool is he went through all that. He came back, and now he's in a good place again. And he, he even said, yeah, I was deceived. But my anger for him was for him was for his soul. It didn't affect me, but it affected him and his growth. So, and I believe that this is, it's worth taking some time on the anger issue because anger affects everybody. I mean, seriously, is there anybody who never gets angry? I still get angry. Anybody who never, ever gets angry? You need to come up here. And, and, no, just, so that, that's where we are with that. He says, don't give place to the devil. 
I looked up the word in, in the Greek, and it, it's actually, don't give, a, really a, don't give a portion to the devil. Don't give, it actually literally means don't give him space. You know, if, if, your, if your heart is a house, and you've opened it up to the devil, and you've given him your living room, well, in, in time, he's going to ruin all the rooms of your house, of your heart. So that word, it, that phrase literally means don't open up a, a place in you so that he can work. Remember, he's the father of lies. He's the father of hate. He's the father of wanting us to destroy ourselves. Why give any place to the devil? Why give him that room to work? Why give him an office in our home? Unchecked anger can be a furnace of rage and hatred that festers inside of us. It can be a caustic acid that destroys everything it touches. How do I know? Because I used to live that. It destroys and damages relationships. If you don't know the Lord, unchecked rage and wrath can turn a person into an animal. And we see these videos. How could they do that? How could that happen? That's horrible. I feel like I'm watching Wild Kingdom. You know what I'm saying? With the animals that pounce on a weak animal and a homeless man gets beat to to within an inch of his life just because some kids want to go out and have a good time, right? And they, and they work themselves up into a frenzy. And you see these stages, mob mentality. And one person who seems somewhat normal sees the other ones and it, it becomes contagious. And then they feel bad after they did it. Some don't. Their heart is so black. Three, stealing for making an honest living. Why should we give Satan any more opportunity? Why should we emulate him when he stole so many years from us? My mid-twenties, I became a Christian. And I always say, gee, I, I wish I would have submitted to the Lord earlier in life. Things could have been different. Those years were stolen from me by the devil. He's a thief. Why would we steal? Been on a lot of burglary calls, and um, victims are just heartbroken. I'd rather give them $10,000 in cash. They took that heirloom that is really not worth much, but it had so much sentimental value, they'll go to a pawn place and sell it for 10 cents on the dollar. They don't care. Thievery. Why would we steal from somebody else? There's nothing better for a young man than to give him a job, to help him to make an honest living. Use that, that testosterone, that adrenaline, to put it into something so they can build a life for themselves. That's why God in Genesis you know, gave the man certain equipment, so to speak, in himself so he could work. Working is a good thing. It's freeing. It's cathartic. Four, corrupt talk for edifying speech. Satan is also a slanderer. Listen, if you don't believe in the devil, well, let's go through the news. And you tell me some of the stuff that we see today. It's, it's when, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it gets worse. What people do to each other, it's, it's I, I have to, I can't, I, have, I can't look at that. And I think I'm pretty hardened from being a police officer for 23 years, and there's some things that really bother me. I can't look at that. Oh, did you see the videos? No, I can't watch that video. Can't do it. How does somebody engage in that? Satan is a slanderer. Words can do this. They can either impart grace to the hearer and heal, as the Bible says, or they can destroy Sometimes words can hurt so deeply where physical wounds have already covered themselves and have scarred up and it causes no more pain and no more trouble. Physical words 10, 20 years ago can still ring into our, our mind and, and we remember it. It's like this emotional pairing that happens in the brain. And the, an external PTSD, an external stimulus comes back and we remember the words 
20 years ago as if it was yesterday. You're no good. You're worthless. You're a loser. Dealing with domestic violence victims my whole career. And, and the, the person from the outside says, well, why didn't you leave? That's the thought that goes through your mind. It's because they believe it. Because the person that they're with has told them what a worthless piece of garbage they are. And if they leave them, they will never find anybody else on this whole planet. They start to believe it. Words can be very painful. You know, when we were a kid, sticks and stones would break my bones, but words will never harm me. By the way, that's not biblical. <laughs> okay? Words can hurt and words can heal. So the reversal process, which is also true, is to receive healing through God's word. I'm going to read a scripture to you, and I want you to own this scripture this morning. I want you to own it. It isn't just for me up here as the pastor or these nice Christians. If you're not a Christian, own this. Psalm 139.14, it says, I praise God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God took incredible care to design us, to intricately make us in the womb. So let me say it again. I praise God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Own that scripture. Psalm 139.14 for yourself. And I have to say that a few times because some people won't own that scripture. They're too busy listening to the voices of those that have put them down. Like Stockholm Syndrome. They accept that. And they live that. You've got to break that. You've got to let God's words impart grace to the hearer. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, if we're believers and sealed with the Holy Spirit, when we stay in the old, stale, curmudgeon life of the flesh, it's grievous to the Holy Spirit. Imagine that. In a negative sense that we have some type of, I have to be careful with my words, power, influence over God, and that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, can be grieved by our behavior and our conduct. It's kind of sad if you think about it. God loves us so much. If the Bible says to do something, it means we have the ability. If the Bible says don't do it, it actually means that we have the ability to do something negative and he doesn't want us to do that. And we have the ability not to do it. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't live a new life befitting the new nature. So many Christians are walking around without victory. When we say read the Bible, it's not... It's, it, listen, I, I don't... I'm not going to peek in your living room to see if your, your Bible has dust on it. That's not what it's about. Read the Bible because the Bible has life. It's the living word. It does so many things for us in a positive way. Why would we leave it on our coffee table and not use it? We're cheating ourselves. We have a, a treasure just sitting there and we never open it to see what the treasure is. So it's not nasty. Read your Bible. It's read the Bible, man. You know, you, people say, oh, I, that was a great message. Well, if you read the Bible, God can give you a message every day in your own living room, in your own personal life. A lot of heads are shaking. Amen? A lot of good stuff in there. When you've memorized the whole thing, then you can tell me I don't have to read it anymore. I haven't. <laughs> Verse 31. These are all characteristics and qualities that have no positive outcome. 
You know, bitterness. And I, I've been in bitterness too. And you, you sit there and you stew. You ever been bitter about something? Somebody does something to you and you're like, Ugh. Ugh. that person. And you, you just, everything you do, you're at the dinner table. Ugh. And you might have seen even family members. They, they hold on to this bitterness. And it starts to, to eat at them from the inside. And that person doesn't even know you're bitter with them. Even if they do, they're fine. You're just hurting yourself. Wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking with malice. Verse 32, these are qualities that help to build and to heal, to be kind to one another. We have a society that's more interested in destroying stuff than building stuff. We're starting to unravel as a society. Anything that's built... We have to attack it and try to destroy it. The media loves to do that. They just love to knock stuff down, ruin people's reputation. And then if they find out they were wrong, they don't even make a correction. <laughs> we're on the next story. Not important. Or a little blurb at, at page 55 in the newspaper. Oh, yeah, we made a mistake. Who's reading that? Building up is so much more, it's so much more rewarding than tearing down. Building people up, seeing them change their lives. Forgiving one another, just as Christ, as God in Christ also forgave you. Let's go back to what we said in the beginning. Listen, makeovers are extremely popular today. And sadly, they think that it'll affect their psyche in a positive way. And maybe it does initially. New anything, new car, new house, new addition, new shoes, new makeover. Oh, I feel great. Come back to me in a month. Tell me if you still feel great. Makeovers have to be maintained. The Lord wants to provide for us a new and better you. If we could put up the second image. I saw this kind of like a, an artist's rendition of kind of the old life versus the new life. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Paul speaks about taking off the old and putting on the new, almost like a garment. And that's a really good one. And he uses other different examples, permeation from the inside out. I like that one even more. But you see, this is the person and this is the old life, the old garment. And Satan has his, he's kind of like doing a, a hoist gracie jiu-jitsu type of move on the old man. And when you're in the old life, this is, right, he, he has power over you. But to come to a picture of probably God or the Holy Spirit clothing us with a new garment, the new life. Put off, put on. You know what's interesting? I'm pretty positive that you can't wear both garments at the same time at any point in time. The difference starts from the inside and permeates to the outside. Let me read this again. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. I love this. I love the power. This is why we never give up. Though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. I love that. It's got so much, so much passion, so much power. And all of it, we keep trying to fight the aging process. Well, good luck. It's just going to keep moving towards the second law of thermodynamics and decay. If the universe is decaying, our bodies are decaying too. But the inward man, the Bible says, is being renewed day by day. And it lasts far into eternity. When we start to do things and we start to grow and mature, it doesn't matter what we are on the outside. And we might not even look any di different. But you know what's funny? And we might look in the mirror 10, 12, 15 years later and not really care because God's doing a great work on the inside. And I've got to tell you something else. It really is true. I've seen people with the joy and it's on their face 
And you would almost think they got a makeover because God does such a great work that it, it permeates through their smile, through their eyes. Jesus said the, the eyes are the window to the soul. This is where it's at, brothers and sisters. Not the makeovers. It's cheap. It's temporary. However, none of this is attainable until if we're not believers, like today, you're at a crossroads. You can't go straight anymore. You could either, there's a fork in the road. You're either going to follow the Lord because you've met him in today's scripture, or you're just going to keep going in your old ways. And we'll be held accountable for that. To repent, to change, to trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to, to take on that new identity that God wants to give us, a new identity, a better identity. He wants to make you a better you. He wants to give you purpose. He wants this new model to run at its optimum. And I've got to tell you, being in God's will is an existence and an experience and a well-being, a sense of well-being, a sense of peace, unmatched in the world and something that will last for eternity. So which will you choose? The world's makeover or the Lord's makeover? Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.